0: My name is Jonette Gay and I'm the pastor of Audubon United Methodist Church. I have with me today our media specialist. Hi, Jason Burgess. And we want to talk and we want to listen. Our faith is seen and understood in many topics. We're glad you've tuned in today to Hey! Hey! Anybody listening? Well, hello I'm so glad to have you with us today Pat Lee I'm glad to be here <laughs> great well we want to hear from you today with whatever you want to talk about you know Carl Rogers said what is most personal is most universal so I think there's something really a connection that we have with, I hear, a st- you tell me a story, I connect to my own story. So it, your most personal is the most universal. I, I find that to be so true. I had a, a professor, a
1: teacher in high school, my, one of my English teachers who is a writer. And he said, maybe he was quoting Carl Rogers, the same thing that one person's story is really everybody's story. And I remember um as you know i was raised mennonite um grew up 12 years in mennonite school the daughter of a mennonite pastor my whole life was mennonite youth group everything we did was related to the community that i lived in and so when i thought i wanted to write things i felt like there was not much adventure in my life for one thing and it was such a closed community but this teacher in high school said but you can write about what you live you have to write what you live or it doesn't sound authentic and that one person's story can be and can relate to many many other people so yeah i grew up with thinking that um my i think my thing is i feel like everybody has a story and i know when we drive through town and somebody cuts me off or somebody's driving like a crazy person, and my reaction is, you know, what planet did you just get off of? And, you know, it wasn't your turn. And I think, well, maybe there's some something going on with that person. And I try to really, maybe somebody's in labor and on their way to the hospital, or maybe somebody's late for work, or maybe somebody just had a really bad day. And I really find myself Sort of instinctively, I think, trying to give people the benefit of the doubt because I think everybody
0: has a backstory. That is great. Uh, I'll have to try to remember that next time I'm cursing under my breath when I'm driving. Oh, I never curse under my breath. I curse out loud. <laughs> we I sometimes curse this out yet? loud. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly, that happens. So where gave you the idea in church for people to have faith sharing stories and tell us about that. Well, I, I think I think
1: we're not really used to talking about what our faith does or is or means to us. I think we get together a lot. The women go to lunch together. You know, we have lots of activities together, but we tend not to talk about our faith. So I felt like doing faith stories would help people kind of crystallize what they believe, or or even better, whether what they believe makes a difference in the way they live. Um, some of our faith stories, and I hope people really listen to them, um, were just sort of histories. You know, I started out at this Sunday school, you know, my grandmother went here, my mother went here, you know, this is what happened when I was a kid. But what was really meaningful were the faith stories where people talked about, because I believe this, or because I grew up in this community of faith, this is the way I live. Um, I was, again, raised to, to think that your faith matters, uh, the way you live matters, that the way you live should people should be able to tell that there's something behind that. I worked with a woman who was a a very um, devout Christian, and she was one of the secretaries in our office. And I worked in a field where sometimes there was some very dark humor. I mean, there had to be, or we wouldn't survive. And things could get pretty crude. But when Rose walked into the room, the atmosphere changed because we knew that that was not okay with her. That that kind of language was not okay with her. And that so the way that she lived her faith was to avoid that kind of feeling. And that's not to say that what we were doing was necessarily wrong for us, but it was, you knew where Rose stood on, on that issue. Um, so in that way, you know, she lived the way she believed you know, I think the other thing is, and I tell my grandkids this, I mean, we've talked about people were created in God's image. So the other thing, again, when I'm driving and I, people do crazy stuff or there's construction yet again, and people with flags That's stopping and starting and slowing down road and work, <laughs> there's roadwork everywhere. And I think to myself, God's image, this person was made in God's image. I also think being a flag person is the job from hell, frankly. I mean, standing out there in all weather, all hours with nothing to do but wave a flag cannot be fun. Um, but I, and I told the grandkids, you need to remember that you were made in God's image. So treat each other the way you would think you would treat God, treat each other with respect, be kind, be grace, graceful, lend grace. And so that's the, the other sort of premise that I live by
0: to try to, not be judgy. That is a gift you're giving your grandchildren. Well, one thing I noticed in the sharing is sometimes people are taught that life is going to be a world of ease if you have faith, you won't have suffering. But I noticed the sharing of of uh, the resilience that people had in the midst of... Did, did you remember any of those were difficult things? Oh, yeah.
1: In there? I, I, I think f- people people recognize their faith most or use their faith maybe most, pray the most when things are bad. And we remember we had a meeting with um, that pastor and we when he said, what does church mean to you? And I said, well, there was this community, like when, when we had the crisis, um, the violent crisis in our in our lives, the church and the neighbors and my family just surrounded us with support and love and food and caring. Um, And there was another time that things were going really bad, or my son was in a really serious accident, and the same thing, we were just surrounded. He said, but what does your faith mean to you when there's not a crisis? I thought, well, that's a really interesting question. I don't know if I think about it as much. But, but yes, I think everybody, and that's why everybody has a story. There have been, everybody has drama, you know, bad things happen. It's not life, I think, if somewhere along the line, bad things don't happen. So I think that's yes, when we recognize God. But I have to also remember that part of, part of faith is it has to be there when things are going. Well, when there's not a crisis, when there's not a drought or the flowers are actually blooming, that's still a time when when you have to feel the presence of God or
0: God, as you understand him or her. So the topic of story, are there books or stories that you think of when you think of a you know, once upon a time, a, a story that touches you as you look well, back. I read
1: voraciously growing up. I just read and read and read. Um, one of the stories I remember um, was called Christy by Catherine Marshall, who was the daughter of, oh, I remember of Peter that Marshall. Yes. Christy was a social was a social worker in Appalachia, and I grew up and became a social worker. I must have read Christy seven times at least Is that uh, one of the reasons you became a social worker. Well, I, I originally wanted to be a doctor, which as it turned out when I got to chemistry and biology at the college level, that was ill-advised. That, that was not my gift <laughs> <laughs> to turn out, not to be my gift. But yes, I think that, that, that book and books like that inspired me to, I always wanted to be somebody who helped people maybe work with teenagers I, I read a lot of romances when I was a kid, Christian romance novels, which I have to say I would not advise, not good literature necessarily. And I recall reading another book. I still have this book. It was for young people called Tune for the Towpath. And it was just a good book, uh, sort of a historical thing, but there was no, like, love interest. And it was so refreshing <laughs> to read a book that wasn't like and, – and everything just didn't end – like peachy keen. I, I got very annoyed, like what you said. People said, you know, there were problems and people had problems. And then in, in Christian literature, especially back then, like people would get saved and then all their problems would go away. Well, you know, I did not find that to be real life. So even as a kid, you know, I read and read and read. I, it was very clear to me what kind of stories were real. I think, and I, then we, you know, we watched TV or I watched movies and I always liked characters who were complex. Characters who the, were the good guys, but also had like a fatal flaw. We used to watch NYPD Blue and Dennis Franz played a cop and he was one of the heroes of the show, but he was an alcoholic. So you, you saw these two sides of this character and it was very complex. And I just felt like real, like nobody is perfect. I don't think. And nobody is all imperfect either. Like even people who you see and when their fatal flaws kind of are obvious, there's a side to them. I don't, know, people have gifts. So I think that stories, good stories have all that complexity in it. Yes. And I think a good faith is all that complexity. It's not so simple. It's not, it's not just. Right, you have enough faith and everything will work out, or you have enough faith and you'll be, you know, wealthy and wise. That is not real life. And that is not what most people's stories would not be like that.
0: Well, in, um, a, in your adult life, any, um, we've had a few, read a few stories in adult forums since I've been here, any stories that, um that that come to mind as you think of the pondering complex people and
1: well you had us reading um i think it was the fables when we read friedman's fables friedman's fables and there were two stories that really stood out the one you've repeated i think in sermons about the spider who who um, builds a web and tries to make keep it perfect and dies starves to death because she doesn't want to catch a fly and ruin the, the, the spider web. The other one that really stuck with me was the one about the tiger. Um, and the animal, the lamb, was it the lamb and the tiger? And the tiger comes and the tiger stalks the lamb and the lamb is afraid and everybody says, Oh, it'll be okay. And, and it, it was a story where you weren't quite sure at the end how it should be. And it really, and, and it, it was, a metaphor yeah. you know for real life. Well, the last line is sometimes you have to cage. Sometimes the, you have to cage the tiger um, and so yes there were stories like that. Um,
0: that stuck with you yes. right. Yeah well I'm fortunate to have known to to have known you for these seven years and You have wonderful stories. One of my favorite stories that you tell is when you like developed a conscience in that watermelon story. Can you tell the watermelon story? It's it's sweet. Wow, wow,
1: literally. So my father was very particular about watermelon and when he cut a watermelon he made sure everybody got a center, a part of the center because the center of the watermelon is like the best part. So the watermelon was in the refrigerator. We had some of it for dinner and I went and just picked off the center piece of the watermelon and ate it sometime in the evening. And somebody saw that that had happened. And so the question was who ate the center of the watermelon? And I denied it. I was like, not me, not me, nobody, nobody ate the center of the watermelon. And I went to bed and, um, I couldn't sleep. I was like, I lied about this watermelon. So I had to get up out of bed and go over to mom and dad, um, who probably were praying. My parents prayed on their knees every night before they went to bed. We could always hear them down the hall and confessed to eating the center of the watermelon because I was conscious stricken that I was I had lied about number 1 took it number 2 lied about it and number 3 thought I was surely going to hell if I didn't if I didn't make things right before I went to sleep that night if I died before I waked <laughs>
0: That's just so sweet. And we'll tell the listeners, if anyone's listening, that Pat's father was a Mennonite pastor. So she was steeped in tradition. And so I I love the story because there's someone said guilt guards our goodness. But there's a huge difference between guilt and shame. And I wonder if maybe in your strict Mennonite background, there was some shame that seeped in Do you. What would you say is the difference between guilt and shame? And did you grow up with with a lot of guilt. I did grow up with a lot of guilt. And I will also say
1: one of the things that's really stuck with me, um, before I started coming to this church, I came for some counseling with the Pastor Brown here. And he said to me, guilt can be a wasted emotion. You can't beat yourself up for every error that you make in your life and I was very good at beating myself up for every error that I made in my life um so I found that to be very freeing and it so I think I'm not sure I can define the difference between guilt and shame and I think guilt is useful I don't think it's a totally wasted emotion I think you need to live as right as you can but um I I think it's shame to
0: me is like you're not okay.
1: Well, and exactly. And I think, you know, if you if you I think to err is human. Yes. And I think you have to accept the humanness in yourself. If you make mistakes, people make mistakes. I, I as far as I know, everybody makes mistakes. And to be ashamed and beat up on yourself and feel less than because of mistakes. Someday, somehow you have to let that go. So yeah, I would say yes, there was a lot of, there's lots and lots of rules growing up, lots of rules. And I think through the 50s and 60s, that society was fairly legalistic. I don't think it was necessarily unique to my life, but we took it to a whole new level. We were very good at rules and legalism and saying and doing and acting and exactly the right thing. Um, So, yeah, that was part of my story.
0: Well, I have so enjoyed your stories, and I could listen to you all day tell stories, and I'm so glad that our wider listener group has... glad you were with us today and I hope you'll tune in again as we listen to one another.